From Bossier City, Louisiana, this is the Grouch and the Brainstorm. And welcome back to the Grouch and the Brainstorm bonus night. I'm Mike, and here with me tonight, I have my cohort, Matt. <laughs> Say hi, Co- Matt. Hey. My co-pilot. Co-pilot. There you go. Um, I have Ben. Hey, what's up? All right. Ben's here, and... Absent tonight is going to be Jill and Jen. Both not here with us tonight. Got a lot going on here in town. It is July the 3rd, a holiday. Um, So for our bonus episode, we have Hayden R. from the Koala Club, and I'm sure from other clubs as well, but we know him from the Koala Club, and that's where he has has met us and where we spend most of our time is down at the club by our house. So... Um, Hayden's going to tell us about his story first. Go ahead and introduce yourself, Hayden. Uh, yeah, my name is Hayden. I'm an alcoholic. Uh, been sober since May the 4th of 2022. May the 4th be with you. Amen. Star Wars Day. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good week, though, because two of the guys at this table, one's is May 1st. Oh, yeah. One's is May 6th. So... I'm not pointing any fingers, but I'm pointing me and Ben. So you're sandwiched in between. Oh, I tell you what, May last year must have been terrible because in our home group there is at least like five or six people that uh, share a sobriety date from last May. Could have been good, right? Could have been good or terrible. The worst day of your life turns out to be the best. Well, I'll tell you what, you'll hear a little bit more about that in just a second. So what got you in here, man? Well, do I? I think I I do better off just starting off. a little bit earlier on than what got me in here. Have at, sure. it. Have at it. So, um, you know, I am 26 years old. I was born and raised in Shreveport. And, uh, you know, I've had, I have a very, very loving family, you know, came from very normal circumstances. Uh, I was born and raised uh, in a trailer park, Blue Ridge Mobile Homes. Know right where it is, off Buncombe Road. Yep. Oh, yeah, I stayed there a little while. Yep, so... Yeah. Uh, man, I, I really loved living there for years and years. I loved it so much that, uh, <laughs> I didn't move out until I was in my twenties and, uh, you know, I, I had a great family and I loved living in a trailer park because there were so many kids there oh, yeah. and, you know, just growing up in, uh, that environment was really cool. Uh, I was one of those kids that really enjoyed to, uh, stay outside 95% of the time and, uh, Early on, I, I really enjoyed school and everything, but uh, the only thing that was probably abnormal about my childhood is uh, my mother was uh, in prison for the majority of my childhood. And uh, by the time I was like 12 or 13, I really started to struggle with that. And, uh, you know, I started feeling out of place and I would get uh, jealous of other kids that had both of their parents around and uh, you know, it just, I don't know. I always felt something was missing in that aspect of my life. But, uh, you know, like I said, I, I just had a, a really great family other than that. And being in the trailer park, like I said, there's a bunch of kids. So I, uh, I had a lot of friends and being that it was a trailer park, uh, we started drinking and using drugs really early on. And, uh, you know, that was like the best thing for me. I, I felt like I had the best, like, tight-knit group of friends that you could possibly have. Everybody just loved each other, and it was awesome. You know, all we did was sit around, smoke weed, and steal somebody's parents' alcohol every once in a while. <laughs> and, you know, we were just we were kids doing what we thought was cool. And, uh, you know, I had a group of guys that skateboarded all the time. So, I mean, that's really what our life revolved around was uh, just smoking pot and skateboarding for years and years. And then uh, whenever I got caught smoking weed for the first time, uh, I got sent down to New Orleans. I had some more family that lived in New Orleans. And, um, you know, it separated me from the group of friends that I'd grown to love. And, uh, you know, it was basically just like everything about my life changed from that point on. And, uh, you know, I dropped out of school. Where'd you go to school? Uh, man, I bounced around for a while. So I, I wasn't the best student, you know. Uh, I just like to have a lot of fun. And I, I loved school for the social aspect. Uh, so I didn't really participate in any of the, uh, 
any of the actual school work. So I, I went to North DeSoto, Huntington, Southwood, Riverdale, and Bonneville. And I was only in high school for two years. You went to Bonneville. Yeah. I'll be. Yep. So, uh, yeah, man, uh, as far as school goes, I, I just, I don't have any real memories of high school, dude. It just didn't last long. And I bounced around so much that I couldn't ever get uh, adjusted to a certain school. But, um, you know, after I dropped out, I started to uh, experiment with other things, you know, uh, being in New Orleans, it's it was like a culture shock shock. You know, I was just from this little podunk trailer park and I went to the big city and man, it was just I, I had a hell of a lot of fun. And uh, I'll tell you all a story about the first or, you know, like the first real night out uh, in New Orleans. So uh, I was 15 years old and there was this guy, David, that worked at uh, this gas station down the street from my dad's house. And I went up there and I was buying a pipe and he was just he was like, hey, dude, you got something to smoke? And I was like, yeah, man. So uh, anyways, we get to smoking and everything. And then he tells me about this hospital that's uh under construction and it's late at night and he's about to get off get off of work and he's like man that's just the coolest spot to hang out so uh anyways he gets off work and he comes by my house and picks me up and this is somebody that i don't even know at all and uh anyway so he comes and picks me up from the house and uh we take a little bit of ecstasy we're drinking some alcohol and then we're headed to this hospital and by the way this dude's like 22 years old he has no idea how old i am I, you know I'm, I'm a pretty tall dude and i've been able to grow a beard for a long time so uh anyways we uh get headed to this hospital and uh whenever we get there we start uh going up all these steps and everything and by the time we get to the top it's uh you know there's windows and stuff missing we're just looking out over the city and it was a really cool little spot well uh we start smoking and drinking and everything and i look down and there's police uh at the at the bottom of or you know pulling into the entrance and uh anyway so whenever we see that we start busting ass down these stairs i'm like literally jumping down flights of stairs trying to get away because my family has no idea where i'm at you know i'm just i'm, I'm in a bad spot so uh, I take off, it's pouring down rain, and uh, I get all the way back to his car, and I'm hiding in this bush waiting for him to get back to the car. And uh, I finally see him coming uh, coming from around this fence, and he gets to his car and everything, and I hop out from under this bush, and I get in the car with him and everything, and I was like, oh, man, that was so close. And he's sitting there freaking out, just <laughs> losing his fucking mind. And uh, anyways, he takes off like the cops are behind us and i mean he's just busting ass out of there and everything i'm like dude we're good we made it we're in the car everything's fine and uh anyways like i said it's pouring down rain so uh at one point we're going down the street and uh he's about to rear end somebody he's uh swerves around slams on the brakes and uh we spin around in this intersection and uh in New Orleans, there's a there's a lot of cameras on the red lights. So, uh, anyways, we uh, he got a ticket, but he was spinning backwards <laughs> through the, the red light. Uh, and anyway, so we get back going. We're on the interstate. He's still losing his mind. Uh, I mean, it's just an absolutely crazy situation. We actually get in a wreck on the interstate, and whenever we do, he takes off as soon as the car pulls over. Uh, we get off on this exit. The fucking uh, the front uh passenger tire blows we uh we hit this curb car is just completely wrecked at this point and uh i get out of the car and whenever i do i, I fall over and i look down at my leg and my legs broke so oh. i i hobble i hobble into this uh little bar that's by the exit that we got off on and uh, i walk inside and i'm like hey man look i'm 15 years old and so my legs fucked up and the cops are on the way. Just, I need to sit down for a second. And, uh, anyways, they let me sit there and I'll tell you how crazy the police are in new Orleans. Uh, whenever they got there, David's losing his mind on these cops. Like they did something wrong. And, uh, anyways, I, I've asked them if I can have someone come and pick me up and I'm fucked up. I'm 15 years old. And they're like, that's fine. And then I asked David if his parents would come and pick me up. And then they did. And they brought me home. And, uh, you know, I, I got to the house. I got inside. 
and I like crawl up the stairs and I wake my dad up the next morning and tell him I got an, got in an accident on my bike. And, uh, anyway, so, I mean, that's the type of stuff that started happening whenever I moved down there, you know, welcome and, to New Orleans. Man. Oh, right, man. That was uh, one of my first weekends, but you know, uh, my dad really, really cool dude, but he is definitely not one of us. I mean, I, I just, we could not be any more different. And, uh, you know, he's, he's loved me through all of the craziness that I've had in my life, but, uh, I've absolutely put him through the ringer time and time again. Uh, but yeah, while, while I was in new Orleans, that's whenever I really started to feel apart from, you know, I just never got another group of friends that, uh, I really clicked with or, uh, you know, I just started feeling like I was on the outskirts of everything and there was just no amount of, uh, using or drinking that connected me to people the way that it had in the past. And that was something that I chased for such a long time. And one thing that, uh, that really helped me out was, uh, whenever I was 16, I started working at Raisin Cane's and, you know, I kind of slowed down on my drinking and drugging. Uh, but I started working so much that it was like, it just took the place of everything else in my life. And uh, for the longest time, that's what my world re revolved around. I worked at Canes for six years, and uh, you know, I was a manager whenever I left. But uh, there was a point in time where, right whenever I turned twenty-one, where everything just completely catapulted into a new space, and I had completely lost the power of choice. Uh, I gained sixty pounds. Uh, just in my 21st year of living, you know, and that was a result of the amount of alcohol that I was consuming. Uh, you know, like I said, I lost the power of choice. And uh, not only that, I started uh, doing some other drugs as well. So uh, cocaine became a big part of my daily routine. And, uh, you know, I it basically got to the point to where I could not do anything else in my life without using cocaine. And, uh, you know, it, it got to the point to where I wasn't able to work the way that I had for years. I wasn't able to go about my daily life, uh, in the same way. I completely isolated myself from my family. I, there has been periods of time where I haven't seen my family in years, uh, as a result of my drinking and using. Uh, so it was a slow, it was a slow process of me losing my job at Canes, but whenever that happened, uh, man, it just, it completely rocked my world. You know, I, I had a decent car, I had a place to stay, I had a nice girlfriend and everything. And, uh, all within a week of, you know, me losing my job, uh, me and my girlfriend broke up. I'm kicked out of the house. I wrecked my car completely total. It all I have is liability. And, uh, it was my fault, you know? Uh, so, I mean, shit just went down the drain really quick dude i mean it was it was bad and uh you know i was 22 years old at the time and uh i'd been to jail a couple of times but uh you know the moment that all of that happened i tried methamphetamine for the first time and from that point on i mean and from 22 to 25, I was in jail pretty much the whole time. Mm -hmm. You know, I just, uh, there would be a couple months at a time where I could get out and use and duck the police for just a little while. But uh, there was never a moment where it was like, this is it, I'm, I'm done. Even though I had plenty of times where that's definitely what needed to happen. But uh, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to do it, man. I just, you know, I, I, I lack the power to stop drinking and using on my own. I absolutely do. And, uh, anyways, I, I'm one of those people that I've, I've been exposed to the program multiple times. Uh, even at a young age, uh, I've, I've went to treatment and everything, uh, three times total. And, you know, it took seeing this program work for somebody for me to believe in it you know i didn't have the the religious or the spiritual feelings uh like my siblings did you know i didn't have the belief 
in something greater than myself, but there was someone in my life that was absolutely batshit crazy. And they stuck with me through my entire using career. And I always held on to the thought of like, man, as long as I'm not as bad as they are, (laughs) I'm doing all right. And they're in the program today and they've been sober longer than I have. And, you know, that's, that's where my belief in the program came from. You know, it was just, uh, the, the, the 11th tradition, you know, attraction rather than promotion. And that's what it took for me to even consider this being a possibility. I was in uh, New Day Recovery. It's a treatment center here. And there were some guys that came in and they were sharing uh, their experience. And one of them uh, made a comment that stuck with me for quite some time. And he said that to, st- uh, to get sober and stay sober, you got to want it. And... At that moment, shit was real bad in my life, and it really discouraged me because I wanted to be sober for years at this point, and I just couldn't do it. So after he said that, it just I completely zoned out. I couldn't hear anything else that they were sharing, and you know, I felt for like the first time I was absolutely hopeless in this, and there was nothing that I could do about it, and uh. You know, I just held on to that for so long. And anytime someone would mention AA or any any twelve step program, I would just be like, "Man, I want it, and I can't, I can't stay sober." So you know, it's just not going to work for me. So, like I said, the eleventh tradition is what uh, gave me my first bit of belief in this. I uh, I'm really grateful. It's my older sister, um, and she she's been sober twice as long as I have, maybe a little bit longer than that, and. Um, man, I'm, I'm really grateful that that's how this program works. And, you know, it took me some time to, uh, to get around to making it back to AA. And it took some, uh, very negative things or, you know, what I perceived to be negative at the time in my life. But, uh, you know, I, I went to jail from the time that, uh, I was 23 till I was 25 and I got out and, this was the first time where I was like, you know what? I'm swearing off everything. I'm just not going to do it. And I'd been in work release for an extended period of time and I wasn't using drugs then, you know, I, uh, I got to the point to where there was something hanging over me and I was able to abstain for a short period of time. Like I knew that I had to pass these drug tests for them to allow me out to get out of this jail so I could go to my job where I can play on my phone and do all these other things. And, you know, that worked for me for a very short period of time because as soon as I didn't have that hanging over my head and, you know, parole and probation and all that, I just, you don't have to live with them. So the moment that I got out, it was like they, I didn't even consider checking in or anything. I went straight back to the races and, uh, you know, I got an apartment in Highland and, uh, that was my first mistake. (laughs) And, um, so I was staying with this girl and we had people in and out of that house at all times, just I'm doing all, all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, it was a quadplex, and the, the owner had hired this girl to manage all the units, but the units weren't done uh, being remodeled. So the only one that was uh, finished was the one that we stayed in. Well, she would go out of town all the time and leave me there. So I'd pack this place out with like 30 people at a time, throw big old parties and everything and just, you know, absolutely going crazy. And um, anyways, I had this guy ask me uh, one day if I could get some Percocets. And there was another guy that uh, had been coming over there and he was selling this and that. And uh, I was like, yeah, man, I got you. So then I I contacted him and asked him if he could – if if he could supply what uh this other fellow was uh asking for and he was like well no uh i don't have exactly what you need well then the other guy or i'm sorry the guy that was selling was he sent me a laundry list of things that uh he had that were available and he had a really good price on some uh weed and i tell the guy like hey he doesn't have what you want but he, he has weed for really cheap and uh he was like yeah man that's fine that's a that's a really good price and he comes over to the house and i've got all kinds of people inside and 
he's like, uh, he uh, goes in, he walks into the first unit. This one isn't the one that we're supposed to be in, or we're not supposed to be in any of them except one, but uh, he goes and he counts out uh, $950. And <laughs> anyways, we're ready for the guy to get here. So then he pulls up into the uh, driveway, and whenever we walk out there, um, he he pulls it out. It's a big dumbass bag of weed, and uh, he's uh, he opens it up. He's checking it out and everything, and he's like, "Man, it looks great, but uh, can we smoke some just to try it?" And he was like, "Yeah, that's fine." So then they start smoking it and everything, and then the guy that was supposed to be purchased and he looks at him and he's like, "Are you nervous?" And whenever he asked him that he looked back at him and he was like what and then uh the guy that was supposed to be making the purchase pulls out a gun and points it at him and then uh the the seller reaches for his gun as well and whenever he reached for his gun he got shot in the head two times Mm -hmm. and uh anyway so then i'm in this crazy position to where it's like at first, I take off running. I mean, I, I book it as fast as I can because I'm worried that I'm about to get shot too. And um, anyways, I take off running. And as soon as I hear the car behind me uh, peel out and take off, um, I turn back around and I go and I try and help him. But I'll be honest with you, man, it's like I, there was just the moment that I saw him, I knew that it was over, you know. And uh, anyways, the girl that I live with, she um, – she took off downstairs. She thought that it was me that got shot. You know, she took off downstairs and, uh, she grabbed a bunch of towels and, uh, we tried to get a handle on things as best we could. And, you know, in my mind, I've, it's crossed my mind a thousand times. Like, man, you're on parole, dude, you've got this and this in the house and stuff. But there was just something that I just believed that I wouldn't be able to live with myself if I took off from that situation. And, um, you know, I sat there and I waited for the police to show up and, you know, they interrogated me for hours and hours and hours. And, you know, my mom, uh, we, we actually have a relationship today and it actually, our relationship started before I got sober and, uh, she was in Tulsa, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And, um, she heard the news about what had happened hours after it happened. And, um, she left, Tulsa drove all the way to Shreveport and by the time she got there she had to sit in the parking lot and wait for hours I mean that's how long I was in there and um man I'll tell you what whenever that happened I was just completely devastated I don't really I mean it's hard to it's hard to tell you exactly what I was feeling at that time but there was absolutely nothing that I could take or do or anything that helped it, you know. And for the longest time, my perspective on PTSD was, you know, it's just for dramatic people, dude. And I mean, that's just what I, I've been through that, yeah. Right. And it's like, I, that's exactly what my perception of it was. And I'll tell you, after that happened, I was a nervous wreck. I, wasn't one of those speed users that just looked out the blinds all the time, but now I was, and I wasn't one of those people that, you know, once I, once I'm going to sleep, it's like, I'm going to sleep for a long time. Well, that just stopped happening. I would go to sleep and I wake up and my heart would be racing and I would dream the same things over and over again. And I'm just like, man, there's nothing that I can fucking do. And I remember one of the times that I went to treatment and they told me that you cannot process severe trauma while you're still drinking and using. So I made the decision. I was like, you know what? Huh? That's interesting. No, I never heard. That's crazy. Right. And I made the decision to go to treatment just long enough to where I could fucking sleep through the night or stop looking out the blinds or, you know, just get my head back on straight for just long enough. You know, something else I heard in treatment was, uh, you know, the order in which your body uh, repairs itself. It's like your physical, then uh, your mental, you know, and it's like, man, I'm, I'll stay sober long, just as long as I need to so I can drink and use the way that I was before. And, um, you know, I had no intentions 
of long-term sobriety that was just not at all in the cards for me as as far as I knew and um, whenever I went to treatment and my head started to clear a little bit and I, st- I started taking uh, what was in front of me seriously you know I man I had multiple things that I just was not gonna do you know there was like there was multiple things that I absolutely was against. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. And sober living was one of them, you know. And for whatever reason, there was this little hippie chick that worked at the rehab, and she talked me into this shit, dude. And whenever we're having the conversation. Oh, man. Whenever Mm -hmm. we're having the conversation. And me and her are friends today. I'd love her to death. But whenever we were having this conversation, it was just like I was agreeing with everything she was saying out of my mouth but in my mind i'm like dude there's no way i'm doing this just it's not gonna happen so then uh she reaches out to my emergency contact tells them hey uh hayden's going to sober living and uh (laughs) they're coming to pick him up the day he gets out so anyways man i i really i buckled down on the information part of uh treatment and i paid attention because i wanted to learn the trick to this You know, I just, I wanted to know like, okay, so this is exactly what I need to do for me to go back to drinking and using the way that I intend. Well, I didn't learn that lesson there. You know, I'm still waiting on that meeting actually. But, um, so whenever, uh, (laughs) (laughs) right. Uh, so whenever I got out of treatment, uh, I got to this house and man, it's just a bunch of older guys. And I'm like, dude, I'm not with this at all. <laughs> I mean, they're just old and crusty. And I'm just like, I mean, how old, Mr. 26 over there? How old? I 40 would, or 80? Yeah. Because Matt, Matt's yeah. 80. You Me and Mike are right. considered, well, we're, I mean, we consider ourselves old. So I'll tell you what, I'm going to respect those fellas' anonymity, you know. Okay. Just. It makes sense. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Could they get a senior citizen's discount at a restaurant? I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll give you uh, the youngest person's age, like in comparison to myself. It was, uh, they were 22 years older than me. Okay. okay. So whenever I put it like that, it doesn't like sound as bad, but they were probably still younger than you. I still you. younger <laughs> than me. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I get I get to sober living, and the example that was set for me there was an excellent one. I mean, everybody was doing exactly what they were supposed to be doing, and uh, the only issue that I had was that age gap. You know, I, there was something about you know they say look for the similarities. Well, I just I didn't, I didn't at all. I I found a million reasons as to why we were different. I didn't listen to the parts where it's like, hey man, that's me too, but. Uh, you know, that really made me struggle for, uh, the, the early days of my sobriety. I just, I made it to where I wouldn't allow them to welcome me in. I just, I, I kept myself on the outskirts and, you know, I would pay attention to the words they were saying, but not like the, it's hard to explain. It's like these guys were speaking from the heart. And I'm just like picking apart every little thing and I'm trying to find the information in it rather than like the nature of it. Right. You know? And, um, anyways, man, I, I struggled for an extended period of time in my early sobriety, but you know, I was telling you about how that guy told me in treatment those years ago, uh, to have an extended period of sobriety. Um, you gotta want it. Well, my buddy, Chris, he's been in the program for a long time. And, uh, I went to a meeting with him one time and I heard him say, if you want, or I'm sorry, if you want to stay sober for an extended period of time, you got to be, you got to want it and you have to be willing to do the work. And, you know, it just took me back to that moment where I was like super hopeless and there was just nothing to be done about who I am because I've, I've wanted this for years. But whenever he said that, it was just one of those aha moments that really stuck with me. And it was like, I have somewhere to go from here, mm-hmm. you know, um, I had a lot of issues with my first sponsor, um, because I, you know, I was willing to do what I wanted to do, but he, he really pushed me to do 
all the things that I didn't want to do. And uh, he just wasn't very nice about it. Yeah. I mean, really, he's just an old dude, hard, hard, hard dude. <laughs> and uh, he just didn't take any crap from me. And looking back at it, that was absolutely what I needed, the best thing for me. And, uh, you know, it didn't take long for me to realize, like, hey, this guy really lives the things that he's telling me. And it didn't take me long to really respect who he was. And, you know, then, but my respect for him also um, led to having some more difficulties. You know, it's like whenever I sat down to do my first fourth step, I started writing down resentments and everything. And each and every one of the lines that I was writing was taken an extended period of time. And I was just like, man, I just, I don't know if I can do this. And uh, my buddy Chris that I was just talking about, he um, he was sitting at the house one day and uh, I went and I talked to him and I was like, man, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do this fourth step and I just, I don't know what, what my issue is. Every, every single line that I write, it takes me so long to do each and every little thing. And he's like, man, it's, Cause you're so full of crap, you know, it's like, you're making all this stuff up, dude. How, how, how are you having a hard time writing down what you know to be true? This is your life, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, may, I'll tell you one of the main reasons for that was a couple of these things I was going to take to the grave with me. And there was just no ifs, ands or buts about it. That's just what I was going to do. And the other thing is I'd really grown to respect the man that was my sponsor at that time. And I just knew that if I was to share these things with him, there was no chance of us continuing on the path that we were on. And, uh, man, I, I was just, I don't know, man. I was very, very discouraged, uh, writing down my, uh, fourth step the first time. And I went, I went home, I trashed everything that I'd had before because Chris was right. It was just all, if it wasn't a lie, it was embellished, you know, and that's just, I was trying to make myself look as good as possible whenever that's not what it's about. And I sat down and I started writing everything, honestly. And he told me to start with the things that are hardest first, you know, start with the things that you're not going to tell them. And that's what I did. I started out, started writing them and I was writing it as as if it was only going to be me seeing it. You know, because I still had an issue with showing it to somebody. But, you know, at this point in time, it's just me and writing it down. So uh, I finally worked up enough courage to tell this man that I was ready. And, uh, well, I don't know if I could say it like that. He was on my ass about being ready, too. So, um, you know, I told him that I was ready and I sat down and I shared all of these things. And I'll tell you what. I had an experience where it was like I was super, super nervous the whole time. And he wasn't saying much as the whole process was going. And <laughs> You're I'm thinking, just like, what's he thinking oh, right now? Oh, <laughs> man, it was, it was wrecking me. Been there. <laughs> right. And uh, anyways, by the time it was all said and done, he was like, man, nothing that you just said was okay. He's like, but it's going to be. He's like, dude, I've done everything that you were just talking about. And that was really the moment where I felt a part of Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, it was the me too in that moment that allowed me to feel a part of. And, uh, you know, after that, I was on fire. You know, I just there was something about it that allowed me to look at each and every one of y'all and find me in what you're saying. And, you know, that's, that's one of the biggest gifts that I've received from this program is just, you know, being able to relate to you guys and being able to relate to the people coming in, the ones that have been around for a long time. Uh, you know, that's, that's just one of the greatest gifts that I've received. Um, but you know, getting into the later steps as far as working amends, terrified. I mean, just absolutely terrified. Uh, you know, six and seven, I don't want to be the way that I am. So it's like, you know, that's, that's whatever I'm, I'll ask you to remove them. But, uh, you know, getting into the men's terrified, man, I just, uh, I did not want to do it. I was, I fought kicking and screaming the whole time, but, uh, I knew at this point because the miracle had happened that I just need to move forward because the obsession to drink and use drugs had finally been lifted and I activated it years and years and years ago, you know, uh, 
I don't know exactly whenever it happened, but there was a point in time where I lost the power of choice and I was off to the races from that point on. Uh, I feel like I was already watching the races before Mm -hmm. I I tipped the scale, but, um, you know, I just, I knew that this worked because the biggest miracle in my life up until that point was the obsession to drink and use had been removed. And uh, I knew that I ought to keep going. So as far as working amends went, uh, that was another one of those steps where it was just the terrifying, crippling fear and everything for absolutely no reason. Yep. I have not had the experience that I've heard some of my brothers where it's like, you know, I went to make this amends and it didn't get, well, that was not the case for me in any of mine. Uh, and not only that, I received relief before I made any amends because I knew that if I was to see any of these people, then I'd just do it, you know, and I run, I've ran into people. So my mom, uh, like I said, we have a relationship today. Uh, my mom asked me to go to a yard sale with her. And I'm not going to lie to you. I love yard sales. I just hate doing stuff like that with her because it takes forever. <laughs> Man, I could go through a yard sale in two seconds. I'm good. But if we're together, I'm... I drive by them and see if I see golf clubs, camo, or fishing rods sticking up. If I don't, I just keep rolling. I can't Amen. stop because I'll waste three hours and somebody... <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not, dude. I'm out. <laughs> dude, I, I love look, looking at everything. I look for nunchucks, throwing stars, duct tape, Ski tarp, mask. and some zip ties. <laughs> Basically like a serial killer starter kit right. you know but yeah uh so we're at this yard sale and she is just tearing this place apart i mean she's moving stuff around my mom's really extra y'all but uh anyways there was this guy that i kind of recognized but i wasn't absolutely sure and uh he walked up to me and he was like what's up man i was like what's going on he was like, you don't remember me? And I'm not going to disclose all the details of uh, this situation, but, you know, I stole some money from him. And I didn't freak out in the, situ- in the situation or anything. I said, oh, man, yeah, I do remember that. And I was like, look, this is what I can do to make that right. And if you need me to do anything else, just let me know. And that's the beauty of this program. It's like I can go anywhere that I want to go and be all right. I can walk around and be a normal citizen and just, you know, if I've done wrong and it doesn't harm me or them for me to make it right, then I can do that, you know, and I know that it works and the relief is there. You know, like I said, I got the relief as soon as I became willing, but that isn't, that doesn't compare to what it's like whenever you actually make it right. I mean, it's just, it's really a great thing. And, uh, you know, there, uh, Oh, and by the way, so whenever I lived in sober living, that was in West Monroe, and I loved living there. I would move back in a heartbeat. I if, love West Monroe. Oh, I lived there for a couple of years. Man, I love it so much. Um, you know, and I didn't take every suggestion that uh, my sponsors have given me. You know, my first sponsor, he's real big on, you know, stay out of a relationship for the first year of your uh, sobriety. Um, do this, do that. And I'll tell you what, man, I did not. You know, I mean, if we do the math here, it's like I have a baby that's about to be born <laughs> and I've been sober for what? I don't even know, 15, 14, 15 months. How, how long have we been sober? Well, I've been sober just over what, 12, 13, like, 13, 14 like, months. 15, yeah. Yeah, yeah, 14, 15. Guys, like this that, is but, July. They got sober in May. Okay, hey, so 14. We, we grew up out in Podunk, nowhere. Right. We went to, I mean, you went to North DeSoto yeah. for a period of time. They I went to North DeSoto. They don't the teach math time. at North right. DeSoto. It's, it's not, a, it, yeah. Yeah, they came yeah, out lost so Just lost all of our North and South DeSoto listeners. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Uh, They're still trying to figure out how to get the app. Exactly. And, you know, I I love my girlfriend. I really do. I've known her my whole life. Uh, one of the guys that was in that first group of friends that I started using with, and they were just the best buds I could ever ask for, it's his little sister. Um, so we're about to have a baby. And, uh, you know, that was one of the suggestions that I probably should have took. I tell you what, that was the one that has caused me the most headache out of everything, like out of the suggestions I ignored, <laughs> that one has like kicked my butt the most. But uh, I do. I love her to death. I've been on her for years and years and years. And um, 
none of us are perfect sponsees, just like there's no perfect sponsors, you know? Right. I mean, we're not. We we do the best we can. And you know what? So um, I, carry, I carry a meet in Decatur on Thursdays, and um, one of the guys that was one of the clients, he asked me a question. He was like, so if you've been sober for a year, how are you about to have a baby? <laughs> and my new sponsor was like, look, I'll handle this one, guys. It's like, you know, you can go through med school with a baby, but it's probably better that you don't. And I yeah, mean, that's just, go. that's yeah. really the way that I look at it. It's like, um, it caused me a lot of headache, but I, I mean, I just stayed in the program. I continued to work the steps. Um, and I'll tell you a cool story about the Koala Club. And uh, love stories about the Koala Club. So yeah. this, this is how uh, I got my current sponsor. I knew that whenever uh, Jenna got pregnant, that I was going to have to move back to town. And what I did was I started going to meetings in town over the weekend. So I drive to uh, you know Shreveport, Bossier area, and uh, catch meetings here and there. Because in the past, whenever I, I popped into AA, I mean, I just, you know, it was a couple meetings here, a couple meetings there, and then just, I never paid any mind to it. But, um, you know, I wanted to find a prospective sponsor or, you know, a home group or just what whatever. And I went to the Koala Club for an 8 o'clock meeting, and my sponsor does not go to the Koala Club. And whenever I got to the meeting, I heard him share and everything. And uh, I was like, man, you know what? I'm, I'm going to keep a, a note of that one because I'm, I might ask him whenever I come into town. This is still about a month out from me moving. And uh, anyway, so I'm still coming over on the weekends and checking out different uh, meetings and everything. And the day that I moved to Halton, I was going to the Koala Club. But right before I did... Jenna asked me to swing by the neighborhood Walmart real quick. And whenever I did, me and him were standing in line together in the same exact line. And uh, I was like, hey, man, I know this is weird, but I was like, I know your name and I need to talk to you because he was with his whole family. And uh, <laughs> I was just like, that was that was the introduction there. I've never shared a word with this guy, but it just it was one of those moments where it was like, OK, this is meant to be. Yeah. And then I talked to him and I was like, man, uh, you know, I, I saw you at the Koala Club. And he was like, how do you see me at the Koala Club? And I was like, well, dude, that's how I know you. Like, I know that's where I saw you. He was like, man, I've went to one meeting over there and, you know, like in the past, however long is a long time. And uh, I was like, man, look, I just, I feel like this is meant to be. So will you be my sponsor? He was like, sure. And uh, we just hit the ground running, dude. I, uh, we have a, a really good relationship. It's completely different uh, approach than my, my first sponsor. Um, he's not as hard but he's a lot smarter than me and he knows a lot more about this program than I do. And, you know, I just, I've learned so much from him in such a short period of time. Uh, I'm extremely grateful for him. And I do feel like uh, God definitely put this man in my life uh, for a reason. And, uh, you know, I've been exposed to like a bunch of new sides of recovery since I've been here. Uh, You know, I go to uh, conventions I uh, speak at uh, treatment centers and stuff, but the coolest thing that I've been able to do since I've been in the Shreveport Bossier area is I've started sponsoring people, <laughs> and that's cool as hell. That's one of my questions I always ask: is if you have any sponsees yet? Yeah. So yeah, dude. Um, and man, it's it's cool because there is so like my number one thing is sitting knee to knee with another alcoholic and working the twelve steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, right? whether it be for myself or for someone else, there's just something about that. I mean, you can't beat it. Um, and then my other thing is the treatment center. You know, I'm sure everybody here has been to treatment center. No. Well, you need I'm to... the only one in the room. That has... okay. He's done meetings there. He just didn't well, go to yeah, treatment. Yeah, I've been to Cato. And I've yeah, he goes to Cato with us on oh, Saturday okay. night. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's but what I I'm had, talking about. I hadn't been privileged enough to go through oh well no you're doing great <laughs> I've, I've been enough times for both of them. yeah so but uh you know then yeah so the treatment centers that is another thing that just i it's really hard to compare anything else to that it's it's really awesome i tell people it's like the mma of recovery because oh, it's yeah. hand-to-hand oh. combat you <laughs> don't you just got to be ready right don't know what's going to happen 
and I love it. I uh, just love it. It's raw and unpolished. It's an easy way to stay sober. Yeah. Amen. So <laughs> I'll tell y'all uh, a little something about my old sponsor was one of those ones that was just hard, and this is what you're going to do. Uh, I didn't even know that the word suggestion went with the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> I had no idea. I thought that, hey, this is what you got to do. Uh, you have to call me at 4 o'clock on the dot every day. I'll tell you what, he was so hard that one time me and him went to a, a birthday celebration together, right? From noon to 2 p.m. And then you had to call him. And then I didn't call him because we had just spent <laughs> the morning together. And then I see him at the meeting that night, and he's like, why the fuck didn't you call me? Yeah, you got it. I was like, uh, because I was with you, you know. But uh, anyways, he was just super hard. But what's really cool about my new sponsor <laughs> is he makes shit that I don't want to do sound like a good idea. Well, that could go a few ways there. <laughs> but <laughs> whenever it pertains to recovery. Yeah. But, uh, you know, well, that it's, makes sense. Right. He's like, it's covert uh, manipu or motivation, you know, just uh, yeah. or manipulation, whatever you want to call it. But I mean, really, he is so good about uh, I'll tell you the first time that I went to Cata, he was like, hey, man, uh, we go on Thursdays. Be there at this time. I get there. I'm by myself. And I'm just like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how they, they throw you in there. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, uh, man. And as far as. uh my recovery today, dude, it's it's better than it's ever been. I uh, I enjoy every single aspect of this. Uh, shit gets hard at times as far as uh, the other things that go on in life, you know. And but that's just part of life where it's like shit just sucks sometimes. Yeah. But but you know, I know what, what to do. You know what to do. Yeah, you have yeah. a plan. Um, yeah, yeah. That and that treatment center meetings, by the way, and your your sponsor has a way of putting things to you to get you involved in them so him and i have talked about this and he's come a long way with this when and this is me in recovery as well when i do things that make me uncomfortable not bad things just things that i'm uncomfortable doing and especially if they benefit somebody else that's when i grow right so when i go sit at cater because i did that too uh almost a year and james goes anybody volunteer i was like you know what i ought to do that wanted to throw up sitting at the table i was so nervous right I've been doing it four years now right. and love it. But man, I was so nervous, nerve wracked. The same situation as you two. Like one guy showed up, I didn't know him. And I'm, <laughs> he's like, I'm not going to make you talk. And then he just turned it on me immediately. I'm like, okay, it's just crickets, you know. But that's where we grow is and we, we deal with things the, the next time better. And Ben's done a great job of that, man. Like I could go on about things that Ben's just kind of, both both guns blazing man just kick the door in and give it a shot and uh but that's where you watch people come to life you know and they go okay i'm a part of this i'm a human being and uh it's awesome but uh uh man we're that's that's a that's a good story brother like i i'm 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 impressed what do you uh well you got any questions man i'm just rem reminiscing on like how how easy it was for me to do daredevilish shit back before i got sober but then you asked me hey let's go sit in a room and just talk to a few people and i was like no nah, man that's a sounds like the scariest <laughs> would you read these two paragraphs off this laminated piece of paper in front of the room oh hell no <laughs> i've often talked about that in, in meetings when i share you know and we're out there and and someone will say, hey, will you drive this four-wheeler off that cliff? You know, and you're like, hell yeah, give me the keys. You know, yeah. but then we walk yeah. into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous and they're like, hey, say this and your life's going to get a little better. Or help this person. Your life's going to go, oh, I don't know about all that. Yeah. <laughs> and Hayden, what I like too, man, I, so I went to treatment and and he was, he's a little older than you, but he's in that same category, the young guy category. And him and I worked together when he was first coming in here. And he will tell you, I was the old guy, and I looked at him and said, he's like, well, I'm still young, man. I can, you know, you're old as shit, you know, basically. And I was. And I said, well, you can you can keep rocking like you're rocking. And you can wind up like I did and waste another 20 years, or you could be a lot smarter than I was. And so he, he's a lot right. smarter, man. He decided to come yeah. on in. And, and uh, you even know. you've got a, a wilder story than I do. And it's – I'm – Every meeting that I go to, so I, there's people out there that are just, just so much fuck did did so much more than I did. And I'm like Jesus Christ, I could have gone down 
a deep rabbit hole. But it's a good reminder, yeah. man. And um, every day I, I have to think about that. So let me ask you this. You look back, and, I, and I'm going to take the shooting part out of it because nobody likes to that's not a good thing in any way shape or form but major the, trauma but yeah but the but the you lost your car your job that situation all in a week right mm -hmm. and that was the last few years before you finally that was a couple of years before you finally came in you kind of went hardcore after that like yeah that was damn near three days or three years to the day uh okay what i'm getting at is we look at things like that at the time i did and i go oh man i, I lost this and this and this this sucks but now I look back and go, thank you, God, that you did that. Like, I'm alive, and that was the best thing that could have happened. At the time, I thought it was the worst. You know, is is that – are you starting to realize that a lot of that was meant to be, like, a good thing instead of – Yeah, so um, with that, absolutely. Uh, with the whole car job, all that, man, I don't know what I would do if I was still with that same girl. Uh, I see – I've seen it a thousand times where someone's been enabled all the way to death. And that's, that's me. That would have been me. She put up with my crap for so long and me losing my job was really like the thing that helped her just say, all right, fuck it, get out. And, uh, you know, yeah, absolutely. That was, that was one of the best things that's ever happened to me. And I'll tell you what the, I don't look at the, the shooting as such a, I mean, it's, it's, it's awful that someone lost their life. And, uh, you know, I have a relationship with, uh, this fellow's mother now. And, uh, it's just, it's a sad deal, man. Uh, he had a little girl, very young and, uh, she's being raised by his mother now, but, uh, I have a relationship with his mom and basically what she's told me is like, you know, you get your shit together because he died. So you didn't have to. But the way that I look at it is, it's like, man, we both died that day. Yeah. And I'm I'm really grateful that who I was at that time stayed back there because, I mean, it wasn't a, a real quick process, and it really sucked, like, re removing myself from that. But um, I truly believe that who I was just, like, died. Something clicked. Yeah, that yeah. died that day with a man. Uh, it scared the crap out of me and uh my life has completely changed but i i whenever i say that i i don't get it confused as if like that part of myself isn't somewhere still in here it's mm -hmm. like i'm scared to death of <laughs> the first step being true and i know that it is for me you know it's like i'm absolutely powerless over drugs and alcohol and uh i try to remember what it is that got me into this program in the first place um, you know, so that I'm, that's why I'm always open and willing to talk. That's about where that. treatment centers are awesome. Cause I sit in there and I go, Ooh, there's me, there's I, me, absolutely. there's me in the second row. You know, mm -hmm. uh, I carried a guy, I asked a guy, I didn't carry him. Um, but he's got over a decade of sobriety and I begged him one time to go to Cata. He wouldn't go, he wouldn't go. Oh, I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm busy. And finally one night he did. And this guy will go too if you drag him just right. He, Mike will, he'll do it. But, uh, uh, but this particular guy, he hadn't done nothing like that. And, and I was like, just come sit in with us, man. Like, you know, and he did. And, uh, we left that night and, uh, he called me on the way home and he was crying. He's got like 12 years. And he goes, dude, that just brought back so much stuff. And he's like, I was looking for my seat in there. And he goes, I just forgot the, the, the battle of it. Like so fresh like that. And I was like, yes, sir. And he's like, dude, that was so awesome. And I said, man, that's why I do it, man. It just keeps me right there all the time. So I don't get too uh, too carried away or too wild with it. But um, You're sponsoring people. Yes. Right? Okay. You've got more than one sponsee? Uh, well, I have a sponsee that just went back out, but okay. I do have uh, one that I'm currently sponsoring. I just want to know how that's going for you because I just have, like, I've got a very fresh sponsee, and he was, he was I'm not going to give his name, but he – he was on some hard drugs and he drank a little bit, but mostly it was hard drugs. And I was a drinker, and so I never really played with the hard drugs all that much. Had a couple instances. I just, I had. It's so trying to get a feel for what I what I need to expect and what I need to. So doing what you just did is exactly how 
you'll get it figured out mm -hmm. because uh, I have to ask all the times like, man, what the hell do I need to be doing? It's like, well, dude, you work 12 steps, you know what you're doing. And, but, you know, my sponsor will give me shit about it. But at the same time, I'm able to call him and just be like, all right, man, look, I'm about to sit down and we're going to discuss this, this, and this. And let me just talk to you about it for a minute, you know? And then he'll let me act like I'm walking him through the steps and he'll be like, all right, you're forgetting this. You know, like uh, the fir my first sponsee, I sat down uh, – and so we did the third step without even saying the third step prayer because I was so nervous. First <laughs> yeah. time I ever worked a third step with anybody. And I walked out of his house and I was like, oh, shit. And I turned back around and I walked inside and I was like, hey, man, I forgot something. <laughs> it's a little important, you know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, you're just uh, just going to have to do it. Okay. And uh, yeah. But, yeah, asking questions is the, the biggest thing because uh, that's, that's what we learned in this program. It's like we're not alone. So... And you know too, like with me, and I've I've even had guys that were kind of balked at it, but you know they were already their mind wasn't right, and they were getting out of treatment, and I think they were already looking for reason not to. But I tell all mine right off the bat, I go, "Hey man, I have a sponsor. I don't know everything. I'm going to introduce you to my sponsor. But if I have an issue that comes up, I'm going to tell you first that I'm going to talk to him about it, or we're going to go over it. And I said, if you're more comfortable with us three sitting, we can." But a lot of times I'll just shoot them a text or I'll call them. We'll talk about it. And, you know, some guys are like, oh, but most most people are like, okay, you know, and, and uh, I don't mind sitting there and going, brother, I don't know about that. We'll have to figure that out. So, right. you know. Yeah, I'm just first sponsee, and I'm just like, I want them to do great, but yeah. I want to I know. I want to know how to do it right because I'm a I'm a mechanic. So if I got step A, B, a, B and C, yeah. I can I can do that. And if I fuck it up, it was me. But I tell this all the time because of one of our best people and just a great advice and wisdom. But Joe B, when I had about a year and I came out and I was talking about just what you're talking about in the parking lot, and I was like, man, I suck. Like all these guys from Cato were like, hey, get sponsor me. And then like six weeks later, they never call. And then they go, hey, I'm in jail. Uh, I need you. You know, it's like that was. And I'm <laughs> like, dude, all these books. dudes are just going right back out. And uh, Joe was walking in the parking lot with me after a meeting, and he said, man, I'm going to tell you something. He said, when I started sponsoring, he said, my first five guys – all turned around and went back out immediately. And he said, I called my sponsor, and I'm like, I'm the worst, man. I'm the worst sponsor ever. And the sponsor said, but you stayed sober, didn't you, Joe? Did you drink today? And he goes, no, sir. And he goes, well, that's all that matters. Yeah. They're going to make their choice, and, and we do what we're supposed to do. Well, the 12 steps says we try to carry the message. Right. Mm -hmm. And practice the principles in all of our affairs, the part we kind of miss out every once in a while. But that's, the, you know, that's the, the beauty of the 12 step is – it, this is an altruistic program, which means we, we constantly are helping others, right? So we're doing our part. You know, I had a sponsee die. And, uh, man, I went back to the club. Joe B., back to Joe B. I went back to the club feeling like, you know, I, I had a part in it and, you know, worried about what his family was going to think. Like, they're thinking about me. Man, this guy's dead, you know? And um, Joe B. just basically said, you didn't have the ability to keep him sober. You didn't have the ability to make him drink. You were just there. And you just happened to be there during his life. And he said, now, this is going to be a part of your story for the rest of your life. And it has been. I mean, I tell that story every time I get up on stage. And, and I mean, you can't mess them up any worse than they already are. But I want to make them better. That's the problem. <laughs> you, you don't. Well, in, in the ABCs, in, in the alcoholic ABCs, A, powerless over alcohol. B, probably no human power. Mm -hmm. Probably no human power. We're human power. You know, it has to be something other than that. You don't have the ability to do that. It's right. that's too much pressure. You know, and every time I think about it that way, like it's a problem to be fixed. It's because you're remind you're, myself. and your heart's yeah. in it, and yeah. and you want it to. You want it for the guy, maybe more than he wants it yeah. himself. You know, and and uh, um, you know, I will say this, just bringing up Joby. So, I've been, I've been coming in the Koala Club about five years, and I may have said this before, but I'm going to say it again. I'm so grateful for those old guys, and I'm using quotation marks because some of them are old in age, but some of them are old in sobriety and very wise. They're not all old uh, just age-wise, but most of these people I'm talking about are up in age. But when I came in, those two back rows on that wall were full of older men, and they had a lot of sobriety. They didn't talk a lot. They were You would think they were all cranky and stuff. They really weren't, but they, they just didn't have a lot to say. They watched what went on. And they had, 
I don't know how many hundreds of years were on that back wall, you know, of sobriety. And Joe and Phil and, uh, you know, a lot of people. And those guys all throughout the journey have been one way or another. Mr. Jerry is a great one. Yeah. James is a great one. Um, but I came in after, I don't know, about a year, about a year and a half ago. And I remember sitting there one day and I looked at the back wall and I was like, man, a lot of those guys are gone. And it started dawning on me that they're, they've passed away or they've gotten too, too sick to come in or whatever it might be. And it really kind of just, I don't know if it was God or what it was, but it's like, Hey man, you guys have to step in the, the void That's here, it. you know, and people, people were here for me when I was, you know, nasty in 90 days and walking in sweaty from cutting grass all day. And, um, you know, and they would, they would, uh, I remember doing 90 and 90 and I did two in a row and for six months, I didn't miss a meeting every day, five thirty, I was in there. Okay. And I missed one meeting, one meeting. I didn't even know hardly anybody in the club. I knew Mike, I knew a couple of people by name, but it was like, Hey, how you doing? Didn't know none of them old guys. They never talked to me. I sat right in front of them every day by Phil, by Philip. Philip was my partner. Yeah. I used to sit by him, but, and I like Philip cause he didn't say shit. He'd be like, what's up, man? And that's it. He just left me alone, so I didn't have to communicate, you know. And uh, But um, I remember coming down. I had gone to one of my kids' football game or something, and I missed a meeting. And I came in the next day, and as I came in the from the hallway and turned to go to my seat, immediately, like, three of them looked their heads up, and they went, where the hell you been? One meeting in six months. And they'd never said a word to me before. And I'm like, how do they even know I'm here? <laughs> and I went, they're paying attention. Like, they know, they see you trying to, you know. And I just, man, it was like something clicked that day. And I was like, okay. And so I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm real grateful five years in that, that uh, and I never got to tell a lot of those guys. I did feel, um, you know, and some of the others. But uh, it's just a part of our deal, you know. And you guys, too, and y'all are. You're like me, man. You're jumping in there and doing the thing, and it's uh, it's cool to see. So, and you got a long way to go, and you're you're gonna be amazed. Um, years down the line, you're at the amount of people you've got to know. You're gonna have people that you start working with that just go missing, that you'll run into years later that have years of recovery. They just decided somewhere after they went missing to get another sponsor and to go somewhere else, and then you're gonna have some you never hear from or see. Um, you're going to stay sober. If you do that, you're going to stay sober. And Bill Wilson figured that out. You know, when he was having a bum deal going on and I believe it was Akron, you know, he, he, he didn't know what to do. And there was a crowd of folks in there drinking. And then there was a phone over here. He realized real, real quick, I need to go talk to another alcoholic if I'm going to stay sober. And that's what he did. And probably wouldn't be sitting here today if he'd have made the other choice. I don't know. I don't know what would have happened today. But I know a lot of folks were changed just by him going and working with Dr. Bob happened to be who he went to work with. And if Dr. Bob didn't take him serious, Bill would have probably found another alcoholic to work with. He realized early on alcoholics keep alcoholics sober. And it's strange. Of course, alcoholics keep alcoholics drunk when they're drinking. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? But but when they're sober, they keep each other sober. It's an altruistic movement, you know. And, you know, we, we piece into each other's lives, and sometimes you sponsor a guy like my sponsor sponsored me since I got here, and he's still my sponsor. He still tells me I'm temporary. You know, five years in, I'm still a temporary sponsor because, you know, I can be a handful. But, uh, but yes, uh, you can. Um, you know, you have people like that that are solid in your deal, but, but you also – are going to have brief moments with people that they may help you for a moment and you don't see them again. And you may offer it, listen to them when they're going through something and you keep doing these CADA meetings and here's what's going to happen. And this happened to me two years in and I go in a place to get a haircut. It's during COVID. Everybody's got mask on and I'm sitting there getting my haircut. A lady cut my hair brings up and I don't have much hair. It didn't take long, but uh, she brings up her brother had relapsed on drugs and, so I stop in the middle of it, and I'm like, okay, you know, here's my number. I'll be glad to talk to him, whatever it is. There's another lady sitting there with a mask on, the other lady that cut hair. I was the only guy in there in them, too. So the whole time I'm talking to this lady, and she's crying and upset, and, like, it's it's a bad situation. I'm like, I'll go now, you know, whatever. So the lady pulls her the other lady pulls her mask down, and she says, do you know who I am? And I said, uh-uh. And she said, 
I was at Cada and you come into Cada um on Saturday nights and she said I saw you when you came in and uh I was like, Oh, cool. And she goes, uh, I have a year last week. I had a year clean. And she goes, I just got partial custody of my kids back. And, uh, so we're hugging in the middle of Saturdays or whatever that place is on airline over there. And I'm like, that's awesome. You know? And I don't remember the lady. I don't even remember. I didn't do nothing. She did. She did everything, but it was cool to be a minute of her sobriety. But, uh, here's what got me. She looked at me when we were hugging and she said, I knew who you were when you came in. And she said, I sat over here with my mask because I knew that situation and I wanted to see how you acted when you, what you talk about in there. And I said, it's 24 seven with me. It just doesn't matter, you know? And she goes, I know. And she was, we we're all crying by that point, but yeah, you, you're going to go along and you're going to have those moments and people are going to do that for you as well, you know? And, uh, it's a, it's a good thing, man. Hayden. Thank you for coming on, brother. Yeah. Oh, thank that you. was awesome. I appreciate you dropping that by. Awesome. Ben, appreciate you filling in. Oh, yeah, it's, it's great, man. I'd do it more often if y'all would let me. Well, no, we'll let you. We'll <laughs> let you. We look, we look forward to having you both back one day soon. So for the Grouch and the Brainstorm, signing out.